Welcome to Supercharge My Practice, a podcast dedicated to helping you build a thriving and fulfilling natural therapies business. Each week, your host, Anil Mustafa, interviews leading practitioners and field experts, sharing proven tactics, inspiring stories, and actionable steps that will help you unlock your potential. Supercharge My Practice is proudly brought to you by My Appointments Practice Management System. Hello, everybody, and welcome to podcast number 13. Today, I have the amazing Charlene Oi, who is a dietitian turned business coach and marketing strategist who specializes in helping dietitians, nutritionists, wellness practitioners build their profitable businesses. She's also a practicing dietitian with over 14 years of experience, and she has built a multiple six-figure online IBS practice using Instagram. Charlene now mentors other health professionals to start, build, and scale their dream online practice so that they can work smarter, make more money, and create more schedule freedom. Outside of work, Charlene is a mum, and just like many dietitians, she's also a foodie at heart. Welcome, Charlene. Wonderful to have you here. Thank you so much for having me, Anil. It's a pleasure to be on here and chatting with your podcast audience. Yeah, great. Now, I want to speak to you mostly about Instagram because that seems to be your predominant domain where you've been able to scale businesses, not just for yourself, but also for your practitioners. But before we dive into that, I'd love for you to share a little bit about your journey, uh, how, you know, your experiences as a dietitian in a hospital setting to establishing your own practice and eventually to mentoring practitioners towards success. Yeah, absolutely. So I've been a dietitian for 14 years and in my previous life before I started business coaching, I was a pediatric dietitian in a hospital and like a lot of dietitians, you know, the traditional path to our career is predominantly working in a hospital. So I just worked my way up the ladder, became a pediatric dietitian and at the same time did a ton of different certification to try and find what I like and enjoy and a specialty area as well. So that's how I went into pediatrics. Um, I was also a diabetes educator. Um, But throughout that whole nine years of being in clinical dietetics, I always felt like there was something missing. I wanted something that gave me that fulfillment in the work that I did. And I found that it was really challenging, you know, being working in a hospital environment where on a time crunch, seeing clients, you know, 10 minutes by the bedside, counselling them. And before we know it, you know, they leave the hospital, would never get to see them again. So I wanted something that I could create a bigger impact in clients' life. And that's the whole point of me going to dietetics to help people with their health and nutrition. And um, in 2017, that was just after I had my daughter, I thought to myself, I'm on that leave. This is my opportunity. I'm going to try dabbling myself uh, into private practice. And that's how I started my private practice, just seeing clients face-to-face. And what was just half a day to one day a week of side hustle very quickly turned into a full-time private practice. I was working five to six days a week, and it just felt like I was constantly working. And at that stage, I thought to myself, you know, I started my business, my private practice to spend more time my daughter. But what happened was that I was working my business so much, I find myself putting her in daycare so much, all the mum guilt started coming up. And I thought to myself, this is not right. It's not why I started my practice. And so I started evaluating how my business model was. And that's at the same time, I uh, went on to Instagram, started marketing myself. 
and had so many people reach out to me um, in the IBS field. So I specialized in IBS asking for help. And I had inquiries from the States, from the UK, from all different parts of Australia. And I had that light bulb moment there at that stage going, I could create an online program. I could pivot my practice online and just do this full time. It was really during the pandemic where I took the plunge and fully went online. Um, And at that stage, I had so many other colleagues, you know, with the pandemic overnight, had to shut the doors, couldn't see any clients and revenue just went to a halt and a standstill. And they reached out to me asking for help of, uh, you know, how did I do it? Can you show me how to do it? And that's when my business coaching program was born um, in the height of the pandemic. It started with the desire to help other practitioners just keep their revenue ticking in. And here I am, you know, almost four years later um, and helping people with their businesses. And I felt like I've really found my calling now, supporting other people to build a business that allows them to create a life that they want and that is what gets me out of bed every morning now. (laughs) I love that. And so many people are trying to pivot to that online space, but I see so many practitioners, especially in a lot of our Facebook groups, what program do I use for this? How do I do this? How do I market myself? And and there's so much confusion around a lot of those spaces. So it's wonderful to have somebody like yourself helping practitioners pivot into that space as well. All right, so let's look into or let's talk into Instagram now. So I understand that Instagram plays a significant role in your guidance for practitioners aiming to expand their businesses. So I'd love to get your perspective on why you find Instagram specifically so effective for practitioners trying to build their businesses. Yeah, that's a really good question, Anil. I think a lot of it really stemmed from me having gone through the journey myself as a practitioner. When I started, the only thing I knew was the traditional way of marketing, going to doctors, you know, doing brochure drops and buying them lunches to try and get in front of them. And that worked. But what I found at one stage was I was very reliant on doctor referrals to get my clients. And if someone stopped referring because they found someone cheaper or whatsoever, I would stop my revenue stream from them. And that model of relying on a third party or other health professionals to refer clients to me just wasn't consistent. And that's when I needed to seek out another way of getting clients myself. Yes, Google, yes, our website works, you know, but I wanted a way to help people on a broader scale, not just in my local area. And that's when I started dabbling into Instagram, like I mentioned before, and had people reaching out to me from different parts of the world. And for me, I want to help more people and I don't want to just be restricted to my local area. And the word spread it really quickly. My Instagram grew and now we're up to, I think, over 70K followers and people are just finding me organically. And as we know, Instagram, you know, you don't have to pay to be on the platform. You can get started for free. And I just saw the power of Instagram in bringing people to me and even the types of clients that came to me as well. They were so much more motivated and they were seeking me out instead of me trying them getting sent to me by the doctors. And they were just trying to tick off, you know, something in the boxes to say, yep, I've seen the dietitian. Um, the clients that were coming to me were so much more motivated. They stayed for a longer period of time. And I saw my revenue increasing significantly with the help of marketing on Instagram. Mm, wow, fascinating. So what mm. advice would you have for practitioners to effectively leverage Instagram 
to build a strong and engaging online presence that attracts and engages their target audience? I think one of the first key thing is to get very specific. You got to know who you're trying to market to. And that comes down to the power of niching. I talk about this all the time, my clients, because when you're trying to speak to everyone, you end up speaking to no one. And especially on Instagram, it's such a busy platform. And even if you got started today in 2023, you're still going to be able to get clients and find feet on there. But you've got to know who are you marketing to? What's the purpose of your page and what problems do you solve for your ideal clients? And if we're not clear, our marketing is going to get quite diluted. And if someone lands on your page when they're not clear of, uh, on what you do, they're unlikely to stay or engage with your content. So I would say the first thing is to really understand who your ideal client is, what problems are you solving? And the second thing is understanding the platform. Instagram is very different to Facebook. It's very different to YouTube, which is a longer form content platform. So you have to understand the consumer behavior on there. People are there to consume short form content, right? And we want to build that relationship, that trust with them. And one of my biggest tips for using Instagram is to understand how can you show up as yourself so that you're connecting with your ideal clients and they see you not just as a health practitioner, but someone that they trust, that they like. So you know that phrase, no like and trust. So that's one of the biggest things that you can do on that platform to build that. And in order to build that no like and trust, you've got to show up and be genuine and be authentic. You've got to be yourself because if they don't feel that connection with you, then they're unlikely to engage. And if they don't engage, they're unlikely to buy from you. Mm, excellent. Um, and you see that a lot now. I'm sure most of our listeners would agree that if you put up a personal post, you mm-hmm. know, a photo with your dog, a photo out with your children or just something that you've gone shopping or whatever it might be that you're just telling your audience something about you and your personal life, you find mm-hmm. that that stuff just gets such great engagement. And, uh, and I think that that's something that practitioners forget because they feel like they don't want to show their personal life in their professional profile. Uh, is that something that you've come across as well? And do you see that as being a bit of a barrier with practitioners not wanting to put themselves out there personally uh, because they think it's not professional or for any other mm-hmm. reasons? Do you see that yourself? Yeah, that's right. That's actually a thought that I had in the very early days. I had to learn how to build that relationship with my audience because you're kind of trying to speak to people out there that you've never met and it can be quite daunting just showing your personal life. First of all, you know, I asked myself, would people be interested in me? I'm just a regular girl living in Perth, you know, being a mom. Why would they be interested in my personal life? But I, when I started sharing behind the scenes, you know, the day-to-day things that I do, even when, you know, I'm in a consult or before I jump onto a consult with a client on a Zoom call, I take a picture and put that onto Instagram stories. And people love that because they want to know what goes on behind the scenes. They want to know who's that person behind the account. And once they get to know you, um, it was really interesting. I remember very early on, I had a potential client jump on the call and she said, wow, you know, it's so nice to finally meet you. I feel like I already know you. I know I love your approach. You know, I follow you. I look at the stories that you post and that just clicked me going, wow, like, you know, when someone is on a call with me, potentially wanting to work with me, and if they already know who I am, it's so much easier to convert them into a paying customer because there's that trust built already. 
So what we want to do with our marketing on the front end is to do that no like and trust um, content building. So when they get on the call, they're like, yep, I'm ready to buy. Just tell me how much it is. You know, here's my credit card, go for it. Um, and that's extremely powerful. And that's why I think Instagram is a really, really powerful platform. If you know how to use it well, you can get a lot of clients from it and not have to spend a whole heap of money on marketing, on paid ads. Yeah. So that probably brings me to the next question on time factors here because I'm somebody who, you know, I, I look, I'm on Instagram, but I'm not somebody who loves Instagram or any social media for that matter. I, I understand the importance of it. So we have a business presence on there and now we're starting to put some personal things on there as well. But it can be so incredibly time-consuming. I've seen all of your cool little reels that you do and all that sort of stuff. But I'd love to know, like, what kind of advice do you have for practitioners not to get kind of sucked into that vortex of creating the most perfect video or, you know, image or whatever it may be, the perfect post so that they can be effective but not feel like all of their time is being sucked into using uh, or to creating content specifically for Instagram? Yeah, that's such a good question. A really relatable one for a lot of people, I'm sure. Like as you guys are listening, you're probably going, well, you know, I can be on Instagram scrolling for hours and I feel like, you know, I go in there to do some content research or just to respond to a comment and I find myself being in there for hours. And that's one of the biggest um, tips I have for all of you here. You've got to be disciplined with how much time you're spending on the platform. I always say to my clients, create before you consume. So before you go into Instagram, before you even open the app, think about what is your intention behind that. So I often, you know, for me, I like to post my stories first thing in the morning. So if I'm jumping on, sharing what I'm doing for the day or teaching something, I'll do that first thing. So I get it out of the way because as the day progresses, I'm busy with client calls. I've got a ton of stuff on my mind and I then forget to do the posting. So first thing is, you know, get in there, share what you need to. And then if you want to consume, do that later, but set yourself a timer. So on Instagram app itself, you can set a timer going, okay, remind me once I've been on platform for 20 minutes or half an hour, it will come up the reminder. So you've got a visual reminder of how long you've been on there. And if you go in with the intention of creating first, giving before you consume, you're going to get so much more done out of the time that you have on there. Mm -hmm. And secondly, yeah, secondly, when it comes, yeah, secondly, when it comes to creating content, planning is the key to the longevity and consistency on the platform. There are times where maybe I've had a really busy time or I'm sick and if I find myself falling behind, then that's when the stress and the overwhelm starts to creep in. You go, oh, you know, I haven't posted something today. I've got to jump on. That guilt then starts to come on. So what I've found as a really good way to stay on top of things is to plan one month ahead. I know it sounds like a lot. I'm not saying create your content one month ahead, but think about the month ahead and what your um, purpose is. So let's say, you know, in December, we've got all the festive season coming on, Christmas, people, you know, are busy spending time with the family, they're enjoying the festivity. And if you want to create content or something, let's say if you want to sell a mini course around that, your goal for that month for your content should be leading towards that. So then you're planning each of your posts, each of your content that leads to that ultimate sell. 
of that course itself. And so when you have a plan, you're more likely to know what you're doing. And when you know what you're doing, you'll get faster. Yeah. Mm. If we're kind of scrolling on the platform, waiting for the inspiration to hit, that's when we'll end up wasting a lot of time. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. And I think like one month does sound quite scary, but as somebody who schedules content in advance, it's actually not as hard as what it seems because you could write a blog post that could turn into five separate social media posts. So when you understand repurposing content as well, you'll be able to easily create lots of engaging content in a short period of time by being strategic about the content that you are creating and finding a way, as I said, to repurpose that as well. Absolutely. So what about the ever-evolving algorithms on Instagram? They're always changing. So what kind of current trends yield the highest engagement in your opinion? And how can one stay updated and adapt to the changes that are always evolving through Instagram? Yeah, the algorithm. Very, very stressful word for a lot of people. (laughs) Look, Yeah, I think with social media, with marketing, trends come and go. But what I find works really well time and time again is video content, right? And this can be really daunting for someone like myself. I'm an introvert. So showing up on video can take a lot. (laughs) And that's why, you know, I try and do it first thing in the morning. When I have the most energy, I know exactly what I'm doing. I jump on, do what I need to, and then jump off and do other things. So video content is such a powerful way of communicating with your audience because they get to see you, they get to hear you, and that builds so much more trust and rapport than maybe a static piece of um, content that they are reading either on your blog or even on your Instagram posts as well. And video can be, doesn't have to be fancy reels. It can be in a form of just, you know, a story. Could even be you sharing a quick tip based on a question that a client asks you in clinic for that day. You might go, oh, that's actually such a good question. Um, I'm going to jump on to my stories or even just recording it on your phone and then posting it another day. That's, you know, that comes back to repurposing content, thinking about the things that you your clients ask you or you might have posted it somewhere before grabbing that and using it and you can repurpose like a post to a video piece of content and that will allow you to build that instant trust with your audience Mm. and on the subject of videos I know we touched on this just before about time and how much time consuming these things can be I think there's a lot of practitioners that are just spend so much time just trying to be perfect and so they they spend so much time trying to be perfect that they're not productive and they're not getting much out of the time that they're doing. So I'd really love to kind of hear your thoughts on how you are able to create your own video content because I've seen your stuff coming out there and I think it's great. But how do you manage to get so much video content out there? And like, and what kind of advice do you have for practitioners? Because I think personally, people resonate with the real stuff. They don't resonate with the stuff that's highly edited. But I think then there's that element of if it's not highly edited, it's then not professional. So it kind of strikes that, you know, balance of which way to go. So do you have any kind of advice or feedback to our listeners about how to get enough content out there but without being so wound up on the details and the perfectionism of it? Yeah, no, perfectionism is the word that I hear over and over again in my coaching call with my clients every single week. Everyone struggles with that. I think it's that high expectation that we hold for ourselves and what that fear of judgment, what would our peers think if it's not a fancy reel? What would our consumers think if my hair's not in the right place or if I haven't got makeup and I don't look good for that day? 
So it's that perception. And I always say to my clients, one thing that you want to know is that people are there not to judge you. They're there for the content. And the reason why they're following you is because they want to hear from you. So a lot of it can come back to that mindset work, working on the reason why we are showing up on the platform is to share is to help people. And so if we take away that judgment piece from ourselves, because we are our biggest critique at the end of the day, and we judge ourselves the most, if we take that piece away and start showing up with the mindset of going, what can I share to help my audience today? What do they need to hear? And that will help you to overcome that fear of the judgment and show up to share what you need to share. I do often recommend planning ahead as well. So if you know, for example, today you're posting about the benefits of plant foods for gut health. On your stories, you can jump on and expand on that further. So it doesn't have to be a new piece of content that you're sharing. It could be relevant to what you've done in your post for that day. So that helps you to kind of expand on your content a little bit more. You don't have to always come up with new content ideas. Mm. Does that answer your question? Yeah, absolutely it does. Mm. But it brings me to another question, which I hadn't planned to ask you, but I'd love to know your thoughts on. Do you have a call to action in every single post that you put out there? Or do you have a bit of a balance of some things having a call to action and others not? Yeah, for those who are not sure of what call to action is, um, and I might take a step back and talk about how I teach content creation. When you go create a piece of content, what needs to go in there? Because um, I find that that structure can really help people to plan. So if you don't mind, I'll quickly share that um, three-part formula. So it's like if you think of a quarter pound of burger from McDonald's, right? So you've got the top of the burger, you've got the meat in the middle, and then you've got the bottom as well. And together, they make a very delicious meal <laughs> coming from a dietitian. Um, so if you think about um, the top, so that's the hook. That's the first thing that people see. So you want to start your post with something captivating that grabs their attention. So it could be a question that, you know, they might have themselves. It grabs their attention. And then the meaty bit, the bit in the middle is the education, the stuff that you want to share. And then you want to finish off with the last part, which is CTA, your call to action. It tells people what to do after reading your post. And it doesn't always have to be a sales-based call to action. There's so many different types of call to action. It could be, you know, an engagement-based one going, save this post if you found this helpful. Could be comment below um, what do you think about dot, dot, dot. So getting them to do something. So that's your engagement one, which works really well. It's funny. You've got to tell people what to do. Otherwise, they won't do it. So if you tell them to like your post, they will go like it or save it. Um, the other types of call to action could be, you know, if you're keen to learn more about how to dot, 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 you know, comment, work with me below something, and then I'll reach out to you to share more about how I can help you. So these are more direct sales-based content of call to action. So it's having a mix of those that makes a, a difference because if people are not engaging, if they're not doing anything with your post, it indicates the algorithm that this person isn't really interested in my content. So I wouldn't show this person's content to her that much. And then eventually your engagement will drop. And one of the key things that you want to do is create engaging content that gets your audience to do something and it's going to, the algorithm is going to love it. Mm, I love that. So the short answer is, yes, there should be a call to action in every post, but 
that doesn't, because most people think call to action is a sales call to action, right? Come and buy my product, come and sign up to my course. But in what you've just said is that that call to action can be something as simple as comment below or tag somebody who might benefit from this information or like this post. So I absolutely love that. That makes it really clear. Yeah, that's right. It could even be, you know, like if you want my free guide, you may have a lead magnet of freebie. That's an opt-in um, to get the email address to grow your email list. You could just get them to comment something or go to your link in bio to download your freebie because that's a really good way of providing value to your audience and then taking them off the Instagram platform into another one of your marketing platform. So when I talk about marketing, it's not just Instagram on its own. It's looking at how Instagram is top of the funnel, capturing your ideal clients, and then nurturing them through other platforms that you've got, like your email marketing. You may have a podcast that you want to send them to. It could be different ways of nurturing them before they become a potential customer. So speaking of other platforms then, do you do anything at all on Facebook or LinkedIn or Pinterest or any of the other social platforms or do you focus all of your energy on Instagram and building your email database? I started on Instagram. For me, I never did any paid ads until much later and Instagram can be really powerful organically. So that's kind of the first point of contact that people would have with me. And then over time, so I want to also mention this because I know that a lot of practitioners are very busy. So when it comes to marketing, it can get super overwhelming thinking about needing to be everywhere. So I say to my clients, pick one platform and do it really well. And then once you've done it well, let's look at repurposing your content and bring it into other platforms. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, you've got TikTok and YouTube, there's so many other platforms, but we want to think about repurposing so you can have that omnipresence. So for me, I started on Instagram and then after that, I laid on lead magnet, email marketing. And then I went on to, um, I've got a private podcast that's an opt-in. So it's a very exclusive series for people who are interested in a certain topic and they can opt in to that. I don't have a public podcast yet. That's one of my goals for 2024. And so, yeah, I I think it's really important to be on a few platforms, but if you're time poor, just pick one and do it really well. And as you grow your practice, you'll have more uh, money to invest back into your business so you could outsource and get someone to help you with maybe your YouTube channel and editing your videos or they could edit your podcast for you, but that can come later. And it's also really important to understand, you touched on this before, about the differences in all of the the platforms because people come to YouTube for, like you said, longer form content and people come to Instagram for shorter form content. And so understanding what what is the purpose of that specific platform and knowing what people are looking for on that platform dictates what content you put, whereas a lot of practitioners are taking one type of content, applying it across the board in this omnipresence environment and they're not getting the engagement and wondering why. And it's because the content is not catered to that specific platform. So I love that. Nail one market, one one platform, and then move on to the next. That's great advice. Yeah. And you're absolutely right there as well. Definitely nail one platform and then thinking about the purpose behind each of your marketing strategy. Mm. Yeah. Even Facebook, you know, Facebook owns Instagram. It's meta. Um even Facebook and Instagram finds very different. Mm-hmm. And with Instagram, organic growth is still really good. On Facebook, not so much these days. 
So I find that Facebook is more just from observation and from what I hear from a lot of other people as well. It's more of a pay-to-play platform. You're going to pay for ads to grow on Instagram uh, on Facebook. Um, but, you know, Facebook groups are still a good way to nurture your audience. So that's another potential container for you to take people to from Instagram. I've also noticed a lot of uh, people in the marketing space are moving away from Facebook pages and posting everything on a personal page. So that's I found that quite interesting because they're using that, obviously, those tools um, a bit more efficiently than where they've got a bit more control over the reach compared to a page. So that was a fascinating thing. But, again, I think it's important not to try to put yourself out there on every platform and to try and nail the, the content for that specific platform. So in your experience, what are some of the common pitfalls or mistakes that practitioners should avoid when using Instagram as a marketing tool and how can they kind of navigate these challenges effectively? Yeah, I think we've talked about that a little bit earlier where we want to show up being authentic and genuine on the platform uh, because of that need or you know like we feel like we got to be professional we put up that front so you know we may not have pictures of us on the page itself and it can feel quite disconnected for people when they come to your page so one of the things you know flipping it is try and show up whether it's on video or having your picture on there so when people come to your page they don't just see a logo they see you and they will start to build that connection with you So I think first thing first, you know, getting over the fact that we need to be professional and perfect on the platform and just show up being yourself. Secondly, understanding the algorithm of the platform. So for Instagram, people are there for short form content. So we don't want to be putting out 60 minute videos. You know, you can put up 60 minute videos, but you don't need to and you don't want to because people's attention span are shorter on there. And if you want to put out longer form content, YouTube's the place for that. So think about that strategy behind those platforms. And then thirdly, I think this is something that a lot of us are guilty of, which um, is not showing up consistently. And that comes back to planning ahead. So you have your intention behind why you're showing up and your strategy for that month. You know what you're selling, you know what you're wanting to promote and your strategy behind that is to promote that particular service. Um, if we don't plan ahead, like that's when we end up getting overwhelmed and confused about what to post. We don't show up consistently. You know, we might post today for the next three days and then we disappear for two weeks and then come back again. And so if we start to view our marketing on Instagram, on social media, more strategically and see it as being a core part of our business activity rather than an afterthought, that's when we'll be able to show up more consistently. I love that. That's some great advice there. Let's talk about analytics on Instagram mm-hmm. uh, and insights to measure performance of content and understanding course demographics as well. What are your What's your advice on understanding those ad- analytics and optimizing it to uh, improve your engagement and reach on Instagram? Yeah, data tells us a lot of information. I think, uh, you know, sometimes it's so easy to look at our following and go, oh, I'm growing so slowly. I've only got, you know, 100 followers. I've only got 500 followers and then start to doubt ourselves. But if we look at those numbers, we'll be able to get a better idea of what's working and what's not. 
Right. So if we, one of the things that is a really important tip for your audience is to look at your audience insights. You want to see what type of people are following you, their age group, their location, what time are they most active on Instagram? Because you want to be posting at a time when they're most active. Instagram looks at how people engage with your content when it comes out. So if you're getting a lot of engagement, a lot of people looking at it, swiping your carousel post, you know, watching your reels over and over again when it first come out. So let's say the first couple of hours, then it's going to be an indication to the algorithm that people are really loving it. Let's show it to more people. And that's when your content starts to build a lot of traction really quickly. And that's why that timing of your post is really important. And if you are just getting started, you don't get insights until you have at least 100 followers. I would just think about posting at a time when most people, you know, post dinner, they're sitting on a couch, say 7, 8 p.m. Start posting at that time. And then as you grow your audience, you'll start to gain more information. So that was one piece with the timing, the audience. And then the second thing is to look at, I, I always recommend experimenting because when you're getting started, you just really want to put out stuff, your content out there to see how your audience is reacting to it. If they're loving a certain type of content, you want to look at why and then doing a few more of that potentially. So if no one's really engaging with your infographics, for example, your, your quotes, you want to let that inform your content strategy and go, okay, that's not working so well. Let's try posting more personal, relatable content that speaks to my audience pain points. And that will probably get you more traction. And that's when you want to use that information to inform your content strategy. Mm. And on the obviously there are the different types of posts. You've got obviously a static image, you've mentioned the carousels, you've got your reels, you've got your stories. Do you find that any one of those specific uh, techniques is better at engaging or is it more about the content and the call to action and, and the, the actual specific engagement that helps improve that reach? Mm. It's kind of a mix of those different metrics. Like Instagram looks at how long someone is spending looking at your content so if you've got a carousel for example and it's effective in getting people to swipe 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 read it then that's a good piece of um content that instagram knows that people are engaging with or if you've got a reel that people are watching over and over again so it could be say usually with reels i would recommend doing a mix so you want some that are short so under eight seconds and there's a lot out there that you can, you know, see people doing and use the audio as well. And then you also want to have a mix with talking head reels where it's slightly longer and you can record reels for up to uh, 90 seconds. I would say around the one minute mark is a really good um, uh, piece of reel to record. So doing a mix of both and it allows people to see your personality as well as, you know, the other type, which is the shorter one that can be funny or relatable as well. And that's a good mix of it so i find that reels if you are very new to the platform or if you're just getting started building your audience it's super effective in helping you reach more people because it puts you in front of new audiences that aren't already following you in contrary your stories are only shown to people who follow you so if they're just uh if they're not following you they won't see your story so what you want to do in the early stages is to try and grow your audience a little bit more so the reels is good the carousels are very effective as well and then maybe mixing that with some of your personal photos to drive engagement that way. Mm, great advice. 
What about hashtags and um, geotags and things like that? How can practitioners use those in order to improve their visibility? And how do people understand how to find the best hashtags and, and use the best hashtags to improve their reach? Yeah, great question. So hashtags is a bit of a mystery. We don't exactly know how it works, but we do know that people can find you through hashtags. So my recommendation is, and that comes back to niching and knowing who you're speaking to as well. You want your hashtags to be niche specific and then mixing that with your modality. So let's say, for example, for me being an IBS dietitian, I'm going to be having hashtags that relates to IBS, gut health, SIBO, that kind of area. And then I'll have some more general one that relates to, excuse me. <clears throat> and then I'm going to have more general one that relates to, you know, like being an IBS dietitian, for example. So mixing them up and you're allowed up to 30 hashtags. So use them. There was a lot of rumors last year talking about, oh, Instagram is going to shadow ban you if you only use, if you use all 30 hashtags. That's not true, right? Hashtags help you to get seen. But first of all, before you do your hashtag research, you've got to make sure that you know who you're speaking to and you nail your content. Because if your content is not on point, the hashtags are not going to work as well. So once you nail your content, you have that hook, you have really good value and education on your content, then the hashtag is going to put you in front of more people and it's going to work better that way. Um, and I generally say with hashtags, just a more specific tip here is try and avoid hashtags that are very big. So the ones with more than a million posts already, they are very saturated. So if you're a small account posting using that hashtag, your content's likely going to get pushed down the line very quickly and it's not going to work as well. So try and find hashtags with under a million posts. On the flip side, you also want to avoid hashtags that are super small. So anything under 10,000, probably not worth using. Mm, excellent. Yeah. Good advice. Yeah. You are a gem of information, Charlene. Thank you for all of that. Uh, to finish off with, I would love to ask you a question that I ask all my interviewees. If you were to give just one piece of advice to a natural health practitioner aiming to build a successful business that they love, what would it be? Oh, very philosophical question, <laughs> but I love it. And I think for me, well, for all of you, think about your why in business and you want to build a business that allows you to live the life that you desire. I'm very big on that. I think having been on the other side now, I recognize how quickly as you grow a business, it can start to run you and your life. Um, but you don't want to be working in your business all the time. You're going to be thinking about your life outside of your business as well. So one of the key things that I talk to my clients a lot about is building a business by design. So you want to think about the life you want to build and then your business is, you know, kind of around it in a sense so that you get that fulfillment, you get to enjoy the work that you do. And that's what creates sustainability and longevity in your business. I love that. Excellent. Now tell our listeners how they can find out more about you and your coaching program. Absolutely. So I'm on social media, Instagram, of course. It's at Charlene Oi. And you can also visit me on my website. It's charlenoi.com. All the information about our programs and there's heaps of resources that are on there as well, stemming from you've got Instagram marketing content, you've got things about building 
digital courses, running group programs, and we've got free masterclasses on there as well. So I hope your listeners will find that useful for their practice. Thank you. And the uh, links will all be in the show notes as well. Charlene, it is absolutely a pleasure to have had you here. You've given our practitioners some gold nuggets here. Thank you for your time. The pleasure is mine. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for tuning in today and I look forward to having you join me in the next episode. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to stay up to date with the latest releases and for more helpful tips, look for me on Instagram under the handle Practice. This podcast is proudly sponsored by my appointments.